0: Welcome to Building Teams with Teams & Co, where we explore how leaders can empower their teams, achieve ambitious strategies, and deliver exceptional customer service. Views expressed by guests are their own and may not reflect the views of Teams & Co. Hey
1: everybody, welcome back to Building Teams with Teams & Co. We are super excited to be in our fourth season Uh, We took a little bit of a break there, but happy to have you all listening and tuning in for season four, where we are kicking off with coaching. Um, As you all know, Teams & Co. is focused on consulting and large-scale growth projects with different organizations, but we've added coaching to our repertoire to really help leaders develop strong teams. Uh, And today, we've got an all-star coach with us. We've got Carmen Schmidt, a small business mogul who's going to come tell us all about (laughs) her retail stores and her coaching business and uh, a little bit more. So welcome, Carmen. Hi. Thanks for having me, Tracy. Uh, It's a pleasure. (laughs) Carmen, tell uh, everybody where you're tuning in from today.
0: Uh, I'm tuning in from uh, a little town called Bruchsal, Germany. Uh, It's sort of a little bit south of Heidelberg.
1: Awesome. So uh, Carmen normally uh, is in the UK, but uh, we're all doing some... Some travel to see family. Uh, I'm actually tuning in this week from Texas, which is not my normal uh, uh, landing spot, but uh, Texas is warmer than North Carolina, so I am not complaining.
0: probably also very much warmer than Germany. We're like more time zones apart than usual though, which is a bit. We
1: are. (laughs) We had, we had to work on that. I am, I'm still calculating time zones. Actually, I was on a call yesterday where it was East. We're all usually in Eastern, but then I'm in Texas now and somebody else was in Hawaii and we were doing time zone math, which I always enjoy. Um, and usually don't show up on time for, So anyway, enough about my, uh, my bad math, Carmen. Tell us a little bit about what you do uh, in your normal day uh, as a business mogul and uh, give the listeners a little small bit of a small business mogul, small business mogul, soon to be large business mogul. <laughs> That's the hope.
0: Uh, so I own a retail and e-commerce business called The Yarn Story, uh, where we sell hand knitting yarn. Uh, we specialize in hand dyed yarns and luxury fibers from around the world. I also have my own yarn company called Walcott Yarns, where we manufacture luxury yarn. And then I have an events business called Events Unwound, where we run knitting retreats and other events in the fiber industry and, uh, soon to be business retreats as well.
1: I love that. I love the name, uh, unwound. I like, I I love that for a a retreat, like, like actually hear people kind of like undoing some of the thought processes that they had before. And, uh, and and redoing them and rebuilding them. So love that. Um, When you sort of think about your journey into having a yarn store and then a yarn company and then yarn retreats, soon to be business retreats, you know, I think a lot of folks on this um, who listen to this podcast are entrepreneurs and they struggle to kind of figure out where to start. And we always talk about the fact that you got to start, you got to start somewhere and then that can develop over time. So as you sort of think about your journey, how did it, how did it all start? What got you into the yarn business? Uh, well, that is,
0: that's a long story. Um, (laughs) I don't know if we have time for the entire thing, uh, but it did involve me moving a couple of countries. Um, so I'm from the States originally, which I think you can hear in my voice. Uh, I'd been living in Germany for six years. I met a Scotsman. We moved to Ireland together. Um, And I just really struggled to find a job there. It was 2012. Uh, Ireland had been really decimated by the financial crisis. Um, I was a little bit naive to that because I'd come from Germany where it like, definitely we had felt it, but not to the extent that Ireland had. And I struggled to find a job. I picked up knitting as a hobby again. And then we left Ireland and moved to the UK for his work, and because we thought I would have more opportunities in like London, uh, et cetera. Turns out that wasn't true. <laughs> Best I <I've> uh, planned. <laughs> yeah, I basically just spent three years getting rejected from like every job I applied for. Like it didn't matter what it was. Um, I just couldn't even get an interview. Uh, and I had before that been working um, in strategic human resources for an engineering company in global mobility management, and leadership management, um, training and development, that sort of thing. But uh, apparently, when you go to the UK, it doesn't matter that you've done international things, you have no UK experience. And so you can't even talk to anyone. That is Um, that is a hard
1: hill to climb.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it was, it was really frustrating. And I'm a very positive person. And a very like well I can figure my way out of this and I definitely have never been as down as I was over those three years Uh, but I picked up knitting as a hobby again because I just had nothing to do and then there was a day I had I'd finally interviewed for a consulting firm um, and I'd gone like four rounds and I was like this is gonna be it I'm gonna get my I'm gonna start a job I don't actually care what it is Uh, and then I got rejected And I nearly threw my laptop through the wall. And I was like, that's it. That's it. I'm doing my own thing. Um, I'm going to start my own business. And that's the end of it. I took all my CVs offline. I basically never looked at LinkedIn again until, you know, this coaching thing started. (laughs) And now everybody's like, you need to be on LinkedIn. I'm like, really? I hate that place. Um, (laughs) And I also couldn't find the yarn that I was looking for. So I just... I set about writing a business plan and decided to open a yarn shop.
1: (laughs) That's awesome. I mean, honestly, the most successful companies I've always heard of is somebody's out there trying to solve their own challenge, right? And it sounds like that's what you were doing. You were Mm -hmm. like, hey, I'm gonna create myself a job. And I also am gonna do that in a way that helps me find the yarn I want to continue my hobby. So well done. (laughs) I have to say the um, the day I went to the bank
0: and got a loan, for 20,000 pounds so it wasn't like huge but you know it's cool. it's a big like I did feel yeah. that's a lot of money but I thought because like, that took me a half an hour and I thought they said yes to that for something I have no idea about and I'm very unqualified for starting my own business and yet I couldn't get an interview for things I was highly qualified for It was uh, it was an interesting day
1: The irony of life, Uh, but I think that's I mean, it's good for folks to hear because I think there's a lot of folks out there that are you know, struggling to figure out what they want to do next. Right. And sometimes the job market Mm -hmm. does feel really daunting. Sometimes you have a corporate job and you're like, this doesn't feel like a great fit for me. Um, And entrepreneurship is a great path. So um, it has its own challenges. Mm -hmm. So Carmen and I won't we won't sugarcoat those for people. Um, Mm -hmm. But there are there are a lot of upsides. (laughs) So we we like to talk about the customer, we talk about strategy, and we talk about teams. The thing I want to talk about today is a little bit related to all of them, Um, but it's Mm -hmm. this idea of coaching. So you and I were both in this um, coaching program with Hello7, really helping, focused on moving entrepreneurs from zero dollars in revenue to a million dollars in revenue. And how do you help entrepreneurs with their mindset and with business strategy and you know, coaching along the way. So they have, you know, kind of accountability um, and, and another thought partner, right? So what brought you to uh, a coaching program and, and what was like your sort of, th- your, your train of thought on that?
0: I have very much always been a person who says yes to things um, and who notices the door that's open in front of me. Um, I think that that is probably key to how I've gotten to where I am. Um, is I've said yes to opportunities, and I was I've been following Hello Seven for a while, and I had done their online like professional development program in twenty twenty two, I guess it was, um, and then I was at their their ROI summit, um, and they announced this program, and I have been getting asked for advice basically as long as I have had my own business, and so this just felt like a some training in how to give advice to people and how to best help people because it's one thing to, to sort of go, well, this is what I did or this is what I think, but that doesn't necessarily always help people find their own solution. So this just felt like the open door I was supposed to walk through.
1: That's awesome. I, um, I joined for a similar reason, right? Being a consultant, we are paid to tell people, you know, what their strategy should be. And we do customer discovery and we map out great strategy documents and, we help them build their teams but a lot of it is advice giving versus the probing questions i mean we obviously we ask a ton of questions along the way but that's the thing that i really like about coaching is trying to help somebody else find their answer versus Absolutely. the answer that it, that i think could be right um i think it also helps like going forward the, i really enjoy it because thinking through what we do with companies um you know hopefully you won't need A consultant every time, right? And you're not supposed to have a business coach forever either, right? If we do our jobs the right way as coaches, people can think critically going forward and and answer some of those uh, questions themselves. A couple of things like
0: entrepreneurship can be quite lonely, especially at the beginning, right? Because, and if you've left a team, like a job where you had a team, and then suddenly you are like the IT department, the sales department, and everything in between, you know, having a coach is a great way to have somebody to talk to and help you with that, like at least at least a, a little bit of a team member.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I think, um, you know, even uh, so for the listeners, since Carmen and I are both in this program together, we obviously always talk to each other and we have a circle that we're, you know, it's what, what Hello7 calls our squad. So we have a squad of people and so we coach each other. And, and it's really nice because sometimes you know the answer and it's in your head, but it's kind of swirling and it just takes another really smart person who's like in the same kind of space as you knows what they're doing has a business of their own to be like hey have you ever thought about it this way (laughs) you're like Mm -hmm. I didn't I should have
0: (laughs) yes it's that it's that moment of like huh that wasn't actually that hard why why didn't I come up with that myself but thank you
1: (laughs) I appreciate that. Yeah, no, I've had a, I've had a lot of moments like that with Carmen. I can vouch for her coaching skills because I um, I've <laughs> been many discussions that uh, I'm, I walk away being like, "All right, well now I feel silly for thinking about that for three days before asking Carmen."
0: <laughs> You're too kind.
1: <laughs> so tell us a little bit more about these retreats that you hold for your yarn business, but how are you thinking about making them kind of business retreats?
0: Yeah. So. I love getting people together. Um, I love building community. Uh, it's, it was like another aspect of why I started a physical brick and mortar shop. Um, because I also in moving so much in new countries, like didn't have a community, I had no anchor point. Um, I think especially when you don't have a job, you don't have kids that are like, you know, feeding you into some sort of a network it's quite difficult and knitting has given me that and I want to give that back and I love in-person stuff I just think you get so much out of it um and the knitting retreats have just been amazing and so I want to just bring that into what I'm doing with coaching and be able to sit down with people for an intense like three and a half days and really work stuff out and have like be leaving there with like the list and the inspiration and the motivation to like get the stuff done they need to get done.
1: Yeah. No, that's awesome. I imagine it's really helpful for folks to be in a different space doing it too.
0: Mm. Yeah, for sure. It's amazing what just getting out of your own environment does for you.
1: Yeah, I find that as well. Like, I think like when I, when I go off site, I sometimes even being here, like, you know, uh, obviously it's not my own house, but uh, I'm staying with my dad for the week and Um, I find that it's just like a different routine and it does help sort of clear, clear my mind because there's not all that other stuff to do around the house. There's not all the other stuff to do in my office. Like the last couple of weeks I've been distracting myself with like end of the year filing and paperwork and you just can't like distract yourself when you're somewhere else. You're like, none of my other stuff is here. So I'm just going to do the thing. (laughs) I've had the exact same thing here in Germany. Like I
0: suddenly have a ton of ideas because you don't, you don't have the day to day, crap, basically, <laughs> that you usually do. It's, uh, yes, get away from your home, I highly advise.
1: So that's awesome. So when you think about, like, who would come to these retreats, like, because uh, we talk about the customer a lot, and obviously you want the the offer to mm-hmm. be aligned with what your customer wants, like, who do you think these retreats are best suited for? Definitely product-based businesses.
0: That's where my expertise lies, um, you know, makers, creatives, uh, people who are, are really, like making their stuff or one step away from making things uh that is really that's who I love talking to as well
1: and I hear you uh I hear you have one of these coming up uh pretty quickly here early in the new year yes we have our first
0: one in April um (laughs) sort of mid-April which I'm very excited about (laughs)
1: I, um, I was saying to Carmen that I have some other previous travel plans that uh, could potentially conflict, but I was, I was thinking about going on one of these retreats too, because mostly I wanted to hang out with Carmen, but also because I, I see the value in these sorts of retreats where you can just, you know, not only, again, I've already talked about how much I love getting coached by Carmen, but you, you get to interact with other business people, right? So like there's the coaching piece of it. There's also this great mm-hmm. group dynamic where you just get to meet a lot of other entrepreneurs who are... You know probably facing similar challenges you get a group of people you can stay connected to and and chat with and and how do you sort of see your groups doing that like do you see folks kind of staying in touch afterwards or what's the methodology for that
0: yeah i absolutely want to i haven't decided on like the platform exactly yet because i hate facebook groups i'm just gonna throw that out there (laughs) but um that will be part of like the follow-up process there will also be like three months of group coaching afterwards because I want to, I don't want to leave people hanging. I don't like that idea. And yeah, like there is nothing that is new to an entrepreneur. Like the problem that an entrepreneur thinks they have definitely everybody else has had, like none of it is unique. Right. And I think when you get in a room with people and realize that is really freeing um, and really comforting all at the same time.
1: Yeah, no, no, I, I agree with that. I think it, yeah, like it takes some of the pressure off of like, am I doing it wrong? Right. It's like, no, you're not doing it wrong. Yeah. Like these are just normal stuff that comes up and then you're, you hire a coach and they help you get over them and, and it all works out, works out well for everybody. So, um, the, the theme that I know, um, and I'm picking up on and the listeners are probably picking up on now is, you know, you're, um your lack of love towards social media. But what the listeners don't know about you that I do is that you're like an email savant and you are really good at building email communications with people and really connecting with your customers. So as you sort of think about, you know, the retail store and your yarn brand, how do you think about reaching your customers in ways that you do love and that they love too?
0: Yeah, I mean, I have found, I don't hate all social media. I just really hate Facebook groups. I love Instagram and I've built my business on Instagram. It was a different space 10 years ago, for sure. Um, but I've been in a newsletter writer since the beginning as well. And what I found is the more yourself you are and the more willing you are to give a little piece of the very overused word authenticity <laughs> to, to your audience, Um, and to your customers, the more they will connect with you. And you have to be willing to be vulnerable. Um, And, you know, I don't have a strictly product pushing or knitting newsletter. Like I've touched on all sorts of things over the years, like politics and um, natural disasters. And I don't know, this, that, and the other. And those are the scariest ones to write and the ones we get the most and best feedback on. So don't yeah. be afraid to say what's on your mind.
1: Yeah, I like that from a marketing perspective. And, um, you know, the one thing that, you know, obviously we heard a lot in the program, but also that, you know, as a, as a person who spent most of their life in marketing is not everybody is going to love your brand uh, and not everybody should love mm-hmm. your brand, right? Like if you're branding correctly, you're really saying and doing and living the values of that's going to connect with a certain group of people. And it might not connect with somebody else. And that's actually good, right? Because that differentiation lets you really hone in on who am I serving and what's important to them versus trying to be everything to everybody. Um, and when brands try to do that, I think they just get kind of lost in the mix and, and usually startups run out of cash. Cause if you're trying to do everything for everybody, you just don't have the focus you need to be able to, to sustain a healthy business.
0: Yeah, I mean, I say all the time, if you are trying to sell to everybody, then you're talking, or if you're trying to talk to everybody, you're talking to nobody. Yeah. Like, if, if you don't know who your customer is, if your customer doesn't have a name that you are basically addressing, and every social media post and every newsletter you're writing, then you need to go back and figure out who that person is.
1: Yeah. hundred percent. I, yeah, I always, um, the best copywriters I know, um, a few of them have told me they always have like a specific person. Obviously companies usually have like personas or client avatars or whatever you might call this customer. Um, but the copywriters I know they, they're like, I actually pick a person in my life that, that fits that description. And I think about that person because then it, then I can write as if I'm familiar with them and that they know me and it helps me you know, they used to say it helped them do a lot of the things that you're talking about, like let their guard down a little bit, be a little bit more authentic, because it wasn't like you were just talking to the ether, you had a person in your mind that you were talking to and trying to create a conversation.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when you are a little bit more vulnerable, or you say something like a more on the controversial side, which, you know, Hello7 talks about a lot as well, like as your business grows, you yeah. have to be prepared for that, you know, not everybody's going to like you. Um, and you just have to say, they're not my customer, they're not my audience, it's not my customer, and that's okay. And yeah. being able to, that's a learning process though, being able to
1: say like, okay, you don't like me, it's fine. And it, and it does, it, and it takes a tough, it takes like a tough kind of like a thick skin, so to speak, right? Um, because I think we're all human and we wanna be, we wanna be liked, but also, you know, I, I think it's not like you're, I think it's helpful to remember we're not doing it to, you're not doing it specifically to alienate people, you're just saying the things that it's are important for your customer along the way that might alienate some people and and that's okay. There's brands that I don't buy because I don't agree with what they say. There's brands I'm super loyal to because I agree with most things they say. And even more importantly, I just love the things they do. So like they're out there, Mm -hmm. they're walking the walk and I see it every day and I'm like, yeah, I want to keep giving you my money. And then there's brands that I'm like, I never want to give you my money because I don't (laughs) agree with anything that you're doing in the world. And so, and that's, it's good, right? It's how customers choose to spend their dollars. And so not a, not a bad thing at all.
0: Absolutely. And if we're talking in, you know, the small business space and the smaller product based business space, um, people like buying from people, right? They like knowing who the maker is behind. They love the story of that and sharing that is super important. and the
1: best way to do that is a newsletter. I love it. No. And I think that's, I, I mention it because I think a lot of people always are like, oh, social media doesn't work for me. I must not be doing it right. And it's like, no, sometimes social media just doesn't work for you and for your business. Right. Or, or to your point, maybe Instagram works, but LinkedIn doesn't, or like Facebook groups aren't the thing, but email tends to be the place You know, I always talk to people about building their email list and it's slow and it takes time, but those are the people who, you know, want to hear from you because they're not just hitting a like button. They're saying, I'd like you to be in my inbox every week or every month or every two weeks or whatever it is. And, and that's, as we all know, we all get a lot of emails. So it's usually a pretty big barrier if they're saying yes to that, which means they're probably more bought into your brand than, than the person on social media. Absolutely 100%. We could uh, We could talk about marketing all day, but I, I'm intrigued because I want to touch a little bit on team and leadership with you. Um, and I, I imagine this is true and you can tell me that I'm hundred percent wrong. <laughs> but when <laughs> folks are shopping in small businesses, I imagine it's not only the founder and like the maker, it's also the team, right? Like I, I know that I've been in situations where I'm like, hey, I could buy this online. But I just genuinely love like the book recommendations I get at my local bookstore from like my favorite person there. Or I know that like this person, you know, takes extra effort when I come into the store to wrap the things that I want wrapped or whatever it might be. But I think like, how do you find like your team also being a part of your differentiation from just any other place that they could be buying yarn? Absolutely. I mean, that's super key. I think with stuff like
0: books or... Um, knitting where you need recommendations, you're looking for advice. It's, it's a really personal experience. Uh, and like, you know, one of the reasons I called my shop a yarn story is that most people aren't there to just use sticks and string to create fabric. Like, there's a whole story behind what they're knitting. And yeah. so for me, it was always really important to find people who understood that. And, you know, all of my team members have their own fans who come into the shop, like they'll be disappointed if they don't see Am- Amanda. Amanda's my longest standing employee. She's been with me about eight years and um, she has a huge fan base. She teaches at a lot of our retreats and people come in and they're like, where's Amanda? I'm like, I'm sorry. We're sorry. She's not here today. And everybody has those fans. You know, we, we build really personal relationships with customers and that's important too. like, It's not just about hiring the best knitter. It's about hiring the people who believe in what we're doing as a store and as a brand.
1: That's awesome. I want to double click on that and just kind of say it again for folks in a different way. You know, I know that you're talking about knitting and hiring the best knitters. I think that's probably one of the best pieces of advice I've heard for building a team in a while, which is... There's a lot of people who are good at the skill of the job, but if they're not a good fit in kind of the thing you're trying to build, they may not be that long-term fit that you're looking for, right? And so how do you really build that engagement with the brand, not just with your customers, but with your team? Because a bunch of people who are really invested in the same thing in that same direction, that same strategy, that same goal are gonna create a much better result than people who are like, I'm just a really solid knitter. I don't care about the rest of this Mm -hmm. stuff (laughs) for sure. I mean, I learned a lot about that. I have to say working,
0: um, for an engineering company and being in charge of like leadership development (laughs) where you have the best engineer, like the best mechanical engineer then becomes a team lead and is like, I don't really talk to people. And now I have 10 people I manage help. (laughs) 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 Um, so I think hiring is so much more about a personality and a like general skill set than and a willingness to learn than a specific ability to do a task, if that sort of makes sense.
1: No, it makes a ton of sense. I think that you can, you know, train and develop and and we definitely have been launching our leadership courses and our three sixty leadership program because of that exact scenario where people are like, I have a really high performer. I'm gonna promote them without any training. Um and so we really want to mm-hmm. solve that problem for folks because it, it totally disenfranchises the person because the person as the leader now feels overwhelmed. They feel unsupported. They're, they're, they're just they have lack of self-confidence. They're like, I'm not sure if I'm doing this right. Nobody's told me how to lead a team. Um, and that's a big shift, especially if you've gone from like the highest performer on your team. And now all of a sudden mm-hmm. you feel like less than, you know, great at your job. Um that's a really hard transition for people. And then for the team, it's really hard because they're not getting the support they need, right? Because that person is so underwater trying to learn about what it means to be a leader. They don't have a lot to give to the team that they're leading. And so um, that's a place that, that we're really focused on, hoping to help organizations solve by you know, training their leaders and, and creating that better team experience. But no, uh, a, I was sorry. just gonna say,
0: I know you and I have talked about this um, several times that you know, leadership isn't a soft skill. And all of the things around leadership and management, they're like that term soft skill is just outdated and ridiculous because they're very hard and they're very difficult.
1: It's a blog that's like kicking around in my head. Uh, And now, now that you've said it on the podcast, I'm going to have to really write the blog. So do it. (laughs) no, I think it is true. I mean, I think that leadership is the hardest thing because it, it really fundamentally means you're shifting out of what's important to me and shifting into what's gonna be important for the team. And that's a really hard shift, especially if you're in an organization where not all leaders are aligned to that, right? Like if we keep promoting people and not defining what the most important thing in leadership is, it's hard for leaders to be successful um, because they're not getting that advice from their leader and from their leader, et cetera, et cetera. So it really is a, an organizational kind of framework that we need to build. Um, but as I think about that, I'd love to hear. I know that you've you've spent some time in leadership development. What's the best like leadership advice? Or you know, if you were to sort of tell somebody, if somebody's a new leader, you know, maybe you've just promoted somebody in your shop, and you say, hey, you know, I'm going to give you some advice. What's what's one or two things you would you would tell them to keep in mind as they as they make that transition into leadership? Um, one, it's
0: okay to be wrong. It's up like you're gonna make a mistake. That's you don't have to know the answer to everything. And two, like this is a lifelong learning journey. Like leadership, you don't suddenly become done worrying about it.
1: I love that. I love that. We we talked to a lot of leaders and they're like, I did a leadership course like 15, 20 years ago, um, I'm, I'm good. And I'm like, you know, maybe you could, uh, you know, I think it's all about expanding your horizons and kind of discovering <clears throat> other things, right? Because so many things have changed. And so like every person on your team is going to be different too. So I think that lifelong learning tidbit is really valuable in terms of how do I make a group of people successful? But um, I also love the, the, the know how to know how to say no and accept that you don't Know everything, right? Like, I love it when I ask somebody a question and their response is, Oh, I actually don't know the answer. Let me go figure that out and I'll come back to you. I feel so much more comfortable in that answer than I do when I realize somebody doesn't know the answer or may not know the answer and may be giving me less than accurate information. Like, as a leader, Mm -hmm. I would so much rather the I have no idea, but give me 24, 48 hours to figure it out and I'll get you the real. The real answer because then we can go off the real answer right and it may be a little mm-hmm. slower but at least we know we're going to be heading in the right direction
0: yeah absolutely and i mean you must find this as well it's you know like a single leadership style does not work for absolutely everybody you encounter <laughs> like each team member is different and everybody is different and you uh, it's a dynamic process right like you can't apply a blanket strategy to everybody
1: yeah. I've heard people compare it to families. I like to compare it to sports teams because yeah, me too. it's, it's like the reason why, like, cause I mean, I, I think that like a family unit is a, is a very <laughs> unique thing. And I also don't know if we should all be striving to be at work uh, all those hours. And, you know, <laughs> I think we should go home. Um, but, you know, as I, when I think about a team, like when I've coached, um, you know, like whether it's like youth teams or even like player coaches, like, you know, when I'm, you know, when I was, playing sports back in high school and college, it's, you don't coach an offensive person the same way you coach a defensive person, right? You don't, the goalie doesn't get the same instruction that the center back gets, right? Like they need different skills. They need to be, you know, they need to approach things differently, right? Like your center back in field hockey, at least what I played, is probably like the loudest person on the field. They're constantly giving directions. So is the goalie, but like they're kind of working in a team and everybody else is adjusting. Whereas Maybe you're not telling your left wing to be that vocal, because if you do, they're shouting over the people who are actually giving the instructions. And so, I mean, I know that's like really tactical, but I try to think about it as, hey, each role and each person might just need something different. And good leaders and good coaches know that and they and they bring a different approach to those things.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, people are motivated by different things. Right. Yeah. So you can't. Like it's not the same carrot to dangle in front of everybody. Sometimes it's a Twinkie, you know?
1: (laughs) That might be our lead in for this show. Sometimes it's a Twinkie. (laughs) I don't
0: know why that's the first thing that came to my head. I was like, what is the complete opposite of a healthy carrot? A Twinkie.
1: (laughs) I mean, right on the head. I I, I saw it exactly. I was like, yeah, I get that. Awesome. Well, I don't want to take up all of your time. We have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation and I would just love for you to tell folks and we'll put it in the show notes. Um, but tell folks like, you know, maybe your Instagram handle, how they can sign up for this magnificent newsletter. Like where do they find you in the world? Uh, so the best place to
0: find me is at a, a yarn story, um, on Instagram, um, a yarn story.co.uk, sorry.co.uk. <laughs> It's uh, a very British way to say that. Um, that's probably the best way. And yeah, our newsletter's there and I talk about our retreats on there as well.
1: So for every listening, we will put those things in the show notes. We will also put them in our previews to announce this episode to all of you. So by the time you're listening, hopefully you've already seen those links and visited and signed up for Instagram and the amazing newsletter and uh, check out those retreats uh, and meet Carmen in person. I will tell you that uh, Carmen was the first person I met in the coaching program. Um, we had one of those fun entrepreneurial moments where I was on a train leaving Wales and she was in you know Bath where she lives and I was laughing because I was like, this week I was laughing actually with her saying, hey, I really wish I would have known you better. I would have actually stopped and done that call in person. Um, but it was yeah. the first time we met. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So. And I lost you at some point and I had to go back to like the main room and was
1: like, um, Billy no mates here. Yeah, I, I, I started the conversation being like, hi, I don't know you. I might go through a train tunnel at some point in this conversation and I really apologize.
0: That's all right. That, that is like British trains, though. I mean, there's no signal.
1: Awesome. Well, Carmen, thank you so much. We will uh, obviously talk to you soon. And anytime you have updates, let us know. We'll uh, we'll share them with the teams and co-audience. But, but thanks for being here.